0: This is gamesatwork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone, and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with.
1: This is episode 407, Can't Spell Pain Without a. Podcast. Hello, happy Friday or whatever day you're listening to the show. Uh, Welcome again to gamesatwork.biz, your weekly technology podcast. My name is Andy Piper and we've got a great show with lots of exciting links talking about metaverse, augmented reality, what is currently known as AI and uh, all kinds of other tech things. We bring you this show every single week. So thank you for joining us. And I am once again joined by my friends, Michael Martine and Michael Rowe. How are you, Mr. Michael Rowe?
0: Hey, Andy, I am well. It is so great to be here on Friday talking about uh, all the things. Uh, Michael Martine, how are you?
2: super excited to get going here because as Andy said, we've we've got a great show here. There's all kinds of links. We've had to be, you know, really uh, ruthless about uh, taking only just the, the best of the best for you. And, um, Let's start with this first one from the register, which is talking about uh, a very amazingly named Japan Metaverse Economic Zone. So this is from Fujitsu, from Mitsubishi, from uh, I'm sure there are multiple other Kiryatsu that are involved in all this in declaring a metaverse infrastructure that is focused on Japan and T- probably taking advantage of all the technologies and experiences from Japan, building games and creating large spaces. What do you guys think about this?
1: I'm interested because this is talking about an open metaverse infrastructure, uh, and I will butcher the, the, the name uh, because I do not speak Japanese, but I believe it is something along the lines of Ryugu Koku, um, which is trying to bring together um, an interoperable framework between metaverse platforms which I think is quite interesting um, That's I don't really think we've heard of this kind of thing with a, a national kind of focus before uh, it looks like they've got quite a range of organisations that have been pulled into the endeavour across different industries uh, insurance, printing uh, automobile uh, banking, I think something like games and banking to it to the extent to which we think something like cryptocurrency might be somewhat related to the metaverse. Well, I still wish that it, that wasn't the case. Um, I think those kind of are the, the common types of organization that you'd possibly expect to see in, in this kind of bucket. But I think that there seems to be a broader Thought process, or at least at the marketing level, which is presumably the, what this is at the moment, at least um, with a with a press press release. What do you think, Michael? Uh,
0: well, I, I actually thought it was very interesting. In the uh, you made the one of the points also that you know having a a national or I'll call it governmental mm. uh, organization stepping up saying, "Hey, the metaverse is something that." is real or will be real depending on your definition this way of building out a digital economy with a set of standards that allow for interoperability and communication across these various different industries and consumer uh, spaces business spaces gaming etc allows for almost a legitimizing of the space um, from the standpoint of something that business will be Interested to invest in knowing that one, it takes a while for governments to get this stuff going, and two, once it's going, it takes a while for them to shut it down. So you have an opportunity for a longer-term investment survival within a a set of standards and and, um, uh, and a platform like this. So I find that very interesting. And the point, the, other, the second point that you made uh, around, you know, uh, you're not sure. That crypto is something that really should be attached into the metaverse. And I, I was thinking about this in the same way I was thinking of fiat currencies a while back, and the fact that there were certain countries that were trying to, you know, generate their own digital currency for the country, not using, say, Bitcoin or Dogecoin or Ethereum or whatever. Um, and to me, it's almost a logical progression from. Going into a digital space, you need to be able to do commerce in it. You need some kind of digital currency. It may be that the digital currency equals equals your country's currency. Uh, it's just the physical versus digital representation of it. And so that kind of ties it together for me from a from an overall architecture and, and uh, standards perspective. Counter-argument is yes. that if we look at Web 1 and Web 2...
1: When has the influence of a nation, governmental entity, been that useful in terms of developing and pushing for technology? When has it been that instrumental? Now, uh, we know that today's internet and the things it is based on was heavily um influenced and uh, created by a combination of academia um the, the the military industrial complex and the porn industry right so 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 that's all known statements right uh, but at where in those three or four things is the actual government influence in pushing something in
0: 1994 Four, I think it was, roughly, when the US government decided to take this academic infrastructure of the internet and say, yes, from a standards perspective, from a governmental big check mark perspective, this will now be open for commerce and businesses. That's when it turned into something that grew and other businesses joined in and started using it to do all those other examples you gave.
2: I will take that. But I, I yeah, and there's, go, sorry, go ahead, Michael. I was going to add physical infrastructure is probably another way to think about this too, Andy. If you think about trains, uh, waterways, roads uh, is another place where government has stepped in in order to fund and create the necessary means by which uh, water, electricity, vehicular traffic would allow for commerce to occur. So uh, you have have a good point. You have a really good point. But um, I think those might be some examples there. I think that it could be a case
1: of governments wanting to do something big and splashy in order to drive some economic um, moment and uh, also an attempt to sort of get ahead in terms of um, getting ready to regulate as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just, I'm I'm being very cynical. Uh, and, And equally cynically, I can also draw our attention back to the story we've talked about in the last 12 months, I think, about Japan still using... Floppy disks um, in certain circumstances <laughs> at the government, you know, at the local government level. So, uh, yeah,
2: but they could use those new ones that you can actually see yeah. the files on them now. Yeah,
0: well, it's that it's, would be it, great. Uh, so, so, so I have to I have to pick on this a little bit more because um, when I was in undergrad, I was in the journalism program, and one of the most fascinating classes I was in was in cable law. It was a, it was a class taught uh, by a law professor about the legal regulatory environment in the cable industry in the U.S. And cable had been around for 10, 20 years before it really took off. It was a way to provide television coverage to rural farmers uh, when the broadcast signals could not get to them. Uh, But it didn't take off, really, until there was a regulatory environment put in place to grant Public right of way for cable companies to lay cable within city boundaries, or put them on poles within cities, to bring the service to the consumer. Uh, and to me, this is kind of the same thing. It's setting up the potentially setting up the legal and regulatory frameworks to allow for a standard set of offerings to have uh, commerce built on top of. In and, and that same path. To your point, Michael, on roads and bridges and tunnels and waterways, etc. It's putting down those approved, regulated, and um, taxed or supported by tax uh, environments that can be used for commerce.
2: Well, I, I think we, we can see that, and and, um, and and speaking of seeing how that works, uh, our next article, which is an interesting one here, um, for, for, for those of you who are used to growing up or were, who grew up with the comic book um, advertisements in the back of them saying you could buy these x-ray specs mm-hmm. for the low, low price of whatever it was. It wasn't that expensive. Three um, box but, tops
0: they- and a dollar.
2: <laughs> something along those lines and it had these kind of swirly things for the eyes and you look through them and I don't know, you kind of figured that out. MIT has created, um, a yet another interesting innovation that they're calling X, uh, a R, which is an X-ray spec augmented reality headset. That's taking advantage of radio frequency signals to see into various things. And, um, no surprise here, right? We've we've actually imagined making the invisible visible via augmented reality here for quite a mm-hmm. while. We just hadn't seen an example of uh, a pair of glasses that would uh, do some of that for you, have we? Well,
1: no. But the other thing to point out is that this is very specific to as as many of these demonstrations are very specific to circumstance and technology. So in this case, the you can see into items or see through certain objects and materials um based on the contents of those items are having an rfid tag attached now this doesn't feel particularly different to me to the the beacons and the ble kind of mm-hmm. um and and even the yeah. um the ultra wide uh band uh stuff that things like the find my system use to triangulate and find items so um you know there's some very specific things it's it's cool for sure and I think that as more of these technologies become more widespread then we may well see things like Apple's AR uh, glasses or materials um, coming to use them and and, and put these kind of networks to bear we think Michael Rowe you, you said a few years ago you know look look what Apple's doing it's putting all these these pieces in place to enable you know something spectacular Um, in the future when it it all comes together.
0: And and, and to to that point, I I actually think this is a good example of putting some of those technologies together, right? Uh, Because, yeah, beacons have been around for a long time. RFID tags have been around for a while, uh, a long time. Um, AR glasses have been around for a while in one form or another. Putting those together to provide a more accurate way of doing pick and pack in a warehouse is a great, User use case in a business environment, showing how you can take existing technology, munge it together to get fairly high accuracy for pick and pack. And in this case, yeah, That's absolutely, cool. making making a more efficient human robot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so humans being the those kind of uh, things that they are, are oftentimes very fashion forward and don't want to put on a pair of ski goggles and walk around with them. Um, And we've talked about that, too, for years. So the next article we have is from a company called Toos, Mm -hmm. uh, T-O-O-Z, which have created some augmented reality glasses with an interesting lens structure to be able to uh, put into your field of vision what you're looking to find out more information about and do so in more of a standard fashion structure as opposed to uh, the big old goggles that we've been used to seeing from various and sundry other places These
0: this these awesome. reminded me of like elvis's 1960s sunglasses right uh with kind of a, a little bit of a thick lens with a, a little bit of a a, a part that kind of backs up so no not ray-bans thicker than that right the he had those gold ones oh yeah uh right and they 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 just had enough thickness on all sides and depth that you could hide uh, a modern triangula- triangulating type uh, prism-based uh, lens system, which is a lot like my swim go- goggles that I wear, yeah. the, sw- the form goggles. They They just have a little slight bump on one side, which in glasses, if you made that bump, equal on both sides it could completely hide the the technology that provide the the refl- refra- reflective light mm-hmm. refractive light yeah so. i mean it, it's not
1: it's not too dissimilar to the monocle we were talking about last week in terms of the yep. way that it's doing mm-hmm. the projection into the the lens it's just built directly into um the uh, the glasses frame, um, and uh, and the nice thing here is that they would then sell this technology to companies that would make prescription glasses. But it is not too much of a, an evolution, except for the fact that the the, the arm and and screen vanish uh, from Google yeah. Glass, right? I mean, it's basically Google yeah, I was, Glass that, built in it, and monocle or monocle whatever whatever it, previous or iteration of the technology you want to compare it to, it's not. Yeah. Massively dissimilar.
0: Yeah, the, the the piece that's attached to the lens, actually built into the lens, size wise, my visualization compared mm. to my Google Glass is not very different in size. Mm. It's mm. just they've built it into the frame in such a way that it doesn't stand out.
1: But I think this is something that is going to be much more fundamental to broad adoption of this kind of technology it's yep. just that m- much less obtrusive, more comfortable to wear um, more reasonable uh, and then then people have to start to get if assuming we go down this path people have to start to get used to using um, screens that float in front of their eye um, that other people can't see um,
2: in some way yeah. <laughs> You you, you know, watching the the latest versions of the Bad Batch on on Disney from a Star Wars perspective, they always have these characters that have these glasses that they either pull, pull down across their 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 face or uh they've got electronics in sort of the back of their head to communicate a, with them so is there
1: new episodes of bad batch right now there aren't other there, there's a new series but, i think there's a new series coming but there isn't a new one out
0: oh yeah it's it's out on episode nine right oh what or oh i'm nine. behind yeah. I've been,
1: i mean i just caught the new episode the new uh, mandalorian series yesterday uh yep. or the mm. Me too. before but i i haven't
2: switched across to the bad batch so i need to do that yeah, so, so another case of science fiction, you know, pre, as a precursor of science reality. So uh, I will catch up with you guys on the Mandalorian this weekend, but uh, I, I'm slightly ahead on Bond Bad Batch. Uh. Now, um, in in the rumor department here, we have another article uh, about uh, an alleged variation of the apple vr headset um again it's always interesting to see what people imagine it might be like and the the intriguing element of this article talks about in-air typing and they're not talking about typing on a plane (laughs) they're talking about typing in front of yourself in order to interact with said glasses in a way that you don't have to mumble your way through it like a a settings 14
0: I think this is actually an exercise routine right and what they're doing is it's kind of like Tai Chi but instead of typing an email you're doing motions to punch out to a b c <laughs> uh, and moving your arms slowly no no just kidding so, Uh this is this is from uh Gorman, Gorman, Gorman. Um, and um, I get his uh, weekly Sunday newsletter on all things Apple, and it came out on that. And this, what I really found funny about this article was it was, they took the newsletter and just rewrote it and called it an iMore article. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, and I thought, I think I saw the exact same but slightly shorter article of a rewrite um, from. Um, Oh, uh, what's the the Mac Rumors site? I think it's called Mac Rumors. Uh- <laughs>
1: this is this is how this is how all of these things work. Right? All, all, yeah. Which is why ChatGPT is taking over because as soon as you have something yeah. generated from there, then people will just rewrite various lengths of that with their own but- additions to make it into their own article and publish it everywhere.
0: Yeah, but I do I do find it actually kind of interesting. Um, so again, going back to the theme we had earlier of taking all these grounding technologies and putting them together into something unique, right? So years ago, uh, my wife got me one of those little uh, blocks that would use an IR beam and throw a keyboard on any flat oh, yeah. surface. Mm-hmm. And, and you could type and it would see where your fingers were in position and breaking the light beams. Um, and uh, y- you think about how the app, almost all... Uh, Apple, so all iPhones, I think, and most iPads uh, have some level of LiDAR built in uh, for the new ones uh, for recognizing positioning and stuff. Their AR technology is really good now about placing things in a fixed space, right? When you're talking about AR objects, if you put a fixed space keyboard floating out in front of you, that stayed in the same place as you moved your head around in an AR headset, you can easily imagine, you know, uh, size and stuff with LiDAR with your fingers, it being used to tap out some typing. So I actually think this is kind of an interesting approach to address that, if it's true. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess the the rumor is we'll find out either in June or September.
2: Possibly, maybe. it'd be. It'd be nice if there was maybe an ASL version of this, so that you didn't have to type; you could just talk.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not loving the concept concept art, yeah. which imagines us all having a massive Apple logo on our foreheads. But hey, maybe that's what well, that's
2: the future of uh, the human race. Well, the, the the concept art that struck me was you, you take your AirPods Max. And then you just put the part that goes over the top of your head around the back of your mm. head instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what, what that looked like it was imagining. You mean like this? Yeah. Yes, put it in front of your head? No, no. Yes, That's Jordy it,
0: LaForge. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don, we needed a screenshot, that um, we didn't Great for
0: an audio podcast. Yeah
2: yes yes you can imagine how that might look um so so now moving along from visual interpretations that are now moved in a different direction via text or via typing we have a story here from hackaday really intriguing of a camera believe it or not that when you take a picture it um, it will print out a version of that kind of like a you know a special camera that has a printer attached to it it's pretty interesting but this one has a twist. And the twist is that the image is rendered into a description, which is parsed through an AI engine, which then creates a picture from that text, and that's what's printed out.
1: Andy, you found this, right? I did. I kind of love this. It came out, I think I saw it the day after we recorded our last show last week, and Mm -hmm. uh, it took me a moment to sort of parse the headline and understand what was going on. But once I read it, I just kind of thought this is immensely fun and creative and imaginative and it made me very jealous that i don't have that kind of thoughtful creative spirit that would have enabled me to come up with that that that, that idea um, it does make me now want to go build it so just in a little, little more detail it's a uh, it's a twin lens uh, reflex viewfinder black box which contains a raspberry pi the pi takes a photo through that and then goes to various AI services to say this is what the to, to ask them what the image is that has been taken, and then have it reimagine um, it in a different way and then print it out of a, a Fuji Instax Mini. I I, I do think it's uh, it's a really fun idea. I've got a number of these kinds of uh, bits of technology lying around, and again when you chain them together in a creative way, you can do something that's really quite exciting, I think.
0: It, it, what, what I thought was so funny about this is it kind of reminded me of the old uh, Kodak uh, instant cameras, right? Uh, Polaroids, right? Mm. Uh, because you would take a picture and then you would wait for some magical processing to happen. And you might have to shake something around for some magical incantations, and then suddenly you'd have a picture. Uh, And it may or may not look exactly like the one that you thought you took just because of the quality of the lens and everything. In this case, the magical incantation is the interpretation of a bunch of AI tools converting picture to text to text to picture.
2: (laughs) You know, there is a, um, a methodology in language translation that you take your source document, You translate it into your target language, and then you have someone take that target language and translate it back to the source document language in order to verify that the translation was done as designed, right? As it was intended. And of course, you have to have different people do this, right? So uh, this, this could be an interesting thing here, too, about did I see what I thought I saw? And how might I have, uh, again, kind of help me make sure that what I saw is, in fact, what I thought is, I saw.
0: Is, is that called uh, WTH telephone translation? What the heck? <laughs> I, I I
1: would encourage folks um, to come visit our, our website. Look at the show notes. Click through to that story on Hackaday and then click through to the uh, creator's web page because he's got a bunch of different projects that go uh, that are around the black box camera Um, he's got um, various other things that do fun things with cityscapes with printing with um, All kinds of other uh, sort of cameras screens and things and again, I'm just I, I always feel very um humbled by the creativity of others and, and, and fascinated by the ways at which other people find themselves able to look at the world and reinterpret the world using technology. Um, there's some there's some fun things here, just reading down the list here, we've got the little vessel printer, neural cities, uh, poking machine, playful park, no more television, sound portraits, so really worth just, uh, just going and exploring Jasper Van Lernan's uh, website and seeing the kinds of stuff that he and
2: I and, and his collaborators have built <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, we, we do take time to make sure the show notes are good for you. So d- definitely do have a look at them so you can click on through. And and one of the ones you should also click on through, by the way, is the, the next one that's up here, Andy, that came from you, which is the generation of landscapes and maps along with cities, mountains, forests, and the like. Uh, tell us a little more about this.
1: Yeah, this is called Perilous Shores, and it's on a website called itch.io, which i pretty certain we've mentioned on the show in the past itch.io is a a community for games creators um, indie games creators typically um, who could be coding in any kind of language or any kind of system Um, quite often they run inside the browser or they're just very sort of creative small games and uh, it's really across the board but this particular uh, thing is a map generator, so you are confronted with a randomised, randomly generated sort of fantasy style. I think Michael Martin, you you sort of mentioned the Tolkien sort of style um, mm-hmm. map that you get. If you right click on that in the browser, you get to cur- change the parameters, change the style, change the kind of grid um and you can imagine using this kind of thing you can export it of course as a a ping or an spg but you can imagine this being really u- useful and fun for rpgs any kind of uh, game that you might need a uh, need a map for you can choose to add towns as icons or hide them uh, add dangers make might sh- decide how sort of dangerous your map is um i i just absolutely love it it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing
2: we i remember andy we we, and i have to see if i can find it we will put it in the show notes if we can Um, we talked about something very similar to this where uh we were talking about a technology map you know, about the the, the lands of uh, such and thus technology and how they butt up against the sea of a different other technology and how those islands might relate to one another. So it, it's kind of cool to have these generative environments to help describe more easily uh, subjects like that and, and maps lend themselves well to those sorts of things. So I'll see if I can dig that one up and it- and... Uh, and- Put it here too uh,
1: it, it's worth noting we we've, we kind of bucketed this into our ai stuff section of the show but this is from um 2020 and it continues to be um enhanced because um, i got a notification from my itch uh, subscription saying saying that it was updated a couple of weeks ago uh but so this isn't necessarily um large language model type ai that we've been talking about along the lines of chat gpt this is a procedurally generated uh, map oh. that um, is you know not dissimilar from things that you see in uh, in other games or, or elsewhere but uh, yeah I think it's uh, again it's a visual thing that we're describing in an audio podcast but I think it's a really fun and nice thing and it fits nicely into our gaming and our own geeky
2: uh, board gaming <laughs> interests uh, absolutely. And, and and staying on that theme, because I'm starting to get distracted and I've got another idea, but I won't go there yet. Um, Michael, you had a chance to play with scenario.com, speaking of games and generating things via AI. Uh what did you create and tell us a little story about uh your experiences here? Well,
0: yeah, it, it kind of fits in the whole whole um genre of discussion uh with the maps too, right? So uh, Scenario.gg, which also resolves to Scenario.com, is a tool that will generate uh, game assets uh, for game developers in various different styles. Uh, And what's really cool about it is, yes, it uses some various AI engines, but you can seed it with some of your own design artwork, right? So you can start with, here are 30 pictures of this style that I created for my art uh, work and design for my game. And now let me generate various assets. And these assets could be uh, pencil drawings, 3D models, um, uh, ping files, whatever. And it gives you many, many different opportunities, uh, different asset classes that you can generate. Um, uh, it's available both as a web app as well as a, an iOS app that you can run on your iOS devices. And um, I saw this and was looking at it. I said, oh, I got to try this out because I I keep having designs to make various games and I just never get far enough to where I like them. Uh, But it reminded me of years and years ago, Andy was kind enough to give uh, Michael and I a set of mana potions. (laughs) Um, And these mana potions, we we decided that this is going to be really cool. We're going to drink them on the show. And they were the most disgusting things ever. <laughs> and I'm still sad. So, so, I'm
1: still sad that Think Geek no longer is around, and I can't order some I more for know. More, but
0: hey, never mind. Yeah. Me too. Because we, we would have to try out a, a new version of mm. them, right? You get a new batch, right? Uh, it was so. So I decided to create a mana potion, uh, and uh, you know, there's a, potions was a, a sample um, uh, framework that you could design things for. Um, I remember that ours were health potions and mana potions. So the health were red and the manas were blue, I think. Um, And uh, so I I decided to give it a a descriptor of potion um, with various different parameters of... Uh, glowing. Uh, they didn't have red. They didn't have blue. So I chose uh, glowing pink, um, uh, etc., and just generated a couple of different uh, examples for us to include in the show notes. Uh, maybe one or two of them, uh, just to see how well it did. Now I was actually surprised how long it took on my iPad, uh, and this is an iPad Pro with the M1 chip in it. So it's it's not. Uh, a low-powered iPad, but uh, it took probably a good twenty minutes oh, to generate really? four images. Oh wow! Yeah,
1: that's significant. Um yes. I started playing with the web app, um, but as soon as you click through to the web app, it immediately wants you to to sign up. So I gave yep. up. Um, I, I imagine that the, the it, app it does it the took same 24 thing. Twenty-four but...
0: hours before my sign-up worked.
1: Oh, okay, hmm. okay. Well, I mean, it, it's certainly a fun concept, and and just it, clicking through and reading. And right reading now, about. the assets are free reading about the team um, you know it seems like they've got some uh, some background and, and it seems like a very smart uh, site and app so and I was entertained by what you shared and the images of the, the mana potions so um, so do you get the the asset says as unity downloads or something like that
0: uh, there's an op- opportunity to generate unity there's mm-hmm. I mean it, you can generate lots of different types of assets right I, I just did pictures for the purposes of the show okay Um mm-hmm. But the idea so maybe is we'll to include actually one or two assets. of them in the notes.
2: Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do that there, too. Uh, while you guys were talking, I was interacting with the chatbot, uh, in in my case, the avatar's Marie, to let Marie know that we're talking about mm-hmm. the website <laughs> and the capabilities right now. On, on episode
0: 407 can, of On, uh, on episode of 407, Word. yeah,
2: and that the, they can come back and listen to it. So that's cool stuff, it's, though, It's right? very cool. I, I was very
0: impressed so far. Uh, I, I'm going to try to do more than just mana potions. Try and cool. create an entire well, game
1: around the concept of gamesatwork.biz and see what yeah. assets you come up with. You need a three adventurers. Uh yeah. three, three. Set in
2: Japan. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, hmm. um, it needs to have regulatory approval and cable TV. And lots of crazy different topics or adventures. Um so before we run out of time uh we have alluded to as as we tend to on um on this show around chat gpt and all of the open ai related stuff and uh, it was announced uh just this week Uh, that there are new developer APIs. So if you are out there using the DaVinci API, you don't wanna do that anymore um, because there's now an even less expensive way to interact with the environment and to do so in a standard, easy enough fashion. And naturally that is fueling the fire of a whole bunch of people to uh, give more of this a try and integrate it in with their code. Oh, good. Yay. <laughs> well
0: what what I like about it though is right, so so now uh Chat GPT and Whisper AI access, and I was listening to a podcast uh earlier this week and they were talking about uh the struggle they have, and I, I remember this struggle and I was so glad that you have the struggle now, Michael, of creating good show notes, uh and then creating taking your show notes and turning those into a pithy 200-character summary that could then be put out on various social media sites, Uh, and they were actually looking at taking Whisper AI, sucking in the entire transcript of their podcast, and then feeding that as the input to ChatGPT to, say, generate a two hundred and fifty um, word summary of that show. Character summary in oh. the style of based off of a feed of their other stuff that they've done. John in the past. Lennon. Well
1: we tried yeah. we, we tried one of these not so long ago. We didn't talk about it on the show, but we were invited to um, Uh, alpha test something through um, a website that I'm involved with or that I use called Polywork um, which did something similar where we sent them an episode of the show and it built out a a bunch of assets so I think certainly when it comes to using pre-existing data like that i.e. we have created a show that we said words they were actual words that we as humans said and we want you to accurately transcribe those words and summarize those words rather than generate an mm-hmm. entirely new episode of the show that we could have come up with but didn't Right 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 um,
0: which is, again finding the right use case I agree
2: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. I agree and I think the same it'd be up- even better if Ch- it'd be even better if ChatGPT could just generate a show for us though you know no. n- just ingest no, it all and just all. do the show instead oh, No, because right? then I wouldn't have to we see I and end it.
1: I wouldn't have to see you ever again and that would make me sad
2: Oh, exactly. Well, we would have more time to see one another. We just wouldn't have the show, maybe, but then we mm. wouldn't have anything to talk about. So that might get <laughs> awkward. <laughs> we we could, we could complain about how bad the show was. Yeah, <laughs> did you listen to our show that Can we you didn't believe create? what we said <laughs> <laughs> in our voices that were really not us? Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm getting deep faking with video. I'm getting confused it's very meta. about it, it's really weird.
1: So um, the very, very last link we had is in this space, though, right, which is um, about uh, Wired. So this came out yesterday on March the 2nd, um, where Wired uh, are talking specifically about how they will and won't use these kinds of generative AI. And I appreciate the fact that they were describing it as generative AI, as in large language model generative AI and not independent thought AI. Yep. Uh, they will I'm, not
0: let it do editing. Yep. I uh, I thought this was nice, and I, I hope other uh, publishers of content will come up with similar, well described and publicized. How will we use well, this technology?
1: Well, well, when you know well, really where this has come from this week, right? Which we haven't spoken about, which is that CNET has been called caught slash called out this week God. and this is linked in the wired article um yes. about essentially having been using this sort of technology for quite some time um and uh yeah i mean it's, explain some of their articles <laughs> absolutely for more than two months they've just been pumping out you know ai generated content the the, the the story here talks on gizmodo talks about 78 of them in total up to 12 in a single day uh Assigned as, or, you know, byline as the CNET staff, uh, but in fact, not at all. Um, yeah. Well,
2: I was a digital worker on the CNET staff, wasn't I? So it?
1: it's. Um, it's but it's, they didn't get paid. You know, it's, it's <laughs> when you don't have these kinds of. Uh, policies or haven't thought about how you're going to use it or publicize that you're using it. Just today I helped to moderate a developer uh, blogging uh, a website and that site has rules and we've spoken about Stack Overflow as well having put together some rules not so long ago about the use of these kinds of technologies for answering questions and then um, accuracy checking that there was one piece on there which I felt strongly was GPT style generated uh, and and tagged it as such and we have a uh, boilerplate piece of text that we we use to to tag the article and ask the author to uh to specify how it's been how it's been written or where it came from if they did in fact not write it themselves so
0: yeah nice Well, if you want to write something interesting to us, you should go over to our website at gamesatwork.biz or even better, don't use Chat GPT. Go to your favorite podcatcher and rate us and leave us a comment. We would greatly appreciate it, whether that's Amazon, Apple, Google, Switcher, uh, whatever. You name it, we're there. Check us out. We'd love to hear from you. Of course, you could just go to chat.openai.com
1: and then type in... What is gamesatwork dot beers and see what uh, what you can get back, but we'd encourage you not to do that. We'd much rather you listen to all of our previous episodes, at least yeah. a couple, even if not all of them. A couple hundred,
2: yes, at least. And until next time, we'll see you on the interwebs. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>
0: been listening to games at the podcast about gaming technology and play we are part of the blueberry podcasting network and would like to thank the band random encounters for their song big blue you can follow us on twitter at games at work underscore biz or at our website at games at